0: Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. David said it well when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is my favorite place to be. My favorite thing to do is study the word of God, hang out with God's people and brag on God's works. Amen. We have a, a dry building. We ought to thank God for that. Uh, uh, there are many people that's meeting in huts and, and, and along riverbanks and getting wet. And, and listen, we have a place that God has given us and blessed us with, and I thank God for it. Amen? Amen. Tonight is going to be a little touchy. It's going to be a little touchy. Y'all know we've been going through the book of Proverbs, all the practical wisdom of daily life. Uh, how many of y'all have figured out by now you need the wisdom of God just to make it today? We gotta have God's touch. We gotta have God's wisdom. And, and these are things, uh, we, when, when you're a, when you're a child, you don't understand all the rules and regulations your parents give you. Are y'all with me? Uh, we thought he didn't want us to have fun on our bicycles is why he made the rule to stay out of the road. Amen? And so we thought he was just being mean, but then when we got older and we had children, we understood that was for our safety. And, and, and God never makes a rule just to be a meanie. Are y'all with me? God never gives instruction. God never gives uh, uh, direction in our life just because he doesn't want us to have fun or he doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to do whatever. It always is for our best interest. Every single command, every single rule, if you will, is always for our best interest so we could get the most and the best life possible. Say amen right there. Now, if you need a lesson, raise your hand real high. We've got some folks uh, running with lessons uh, real quickly. Uh, Right over here, we've got some in the middle. Raise your hand again. Raise your hand again. He's kind of... Here he comes. There we go. Make sure everybody gets a lesson. We, We don't have a... Excuse me. We don't have a lot to fill in tonight uh because I put a little bit more information than I normally do uh because I had a lot I wanted to cover. So, we're we're just going to fill in basically three words, but I want you to listen up really good because uh, some of the things we're going to talk about is it's it's kind of a touchy subject. Uh how many of y'all know talking about money is is a touchy subject especially with spouses? And it's even even touchier, it's even a touchier subject when a family member owes you something. I need a witness. So, and he deals with that, and that's what we're talking about. So, let's, let's, let's go into this uh, Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 1. And if you're glad to be saved, say amen. amen. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. In other words, he's saying that wasn't a really good idea. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyelids, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Uh, Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter. Dave Ramsey likes to use a gazelle and a cheetah right there. I don't know if you've ever uh, been to uh, Financial Peace University, but that's the coolest illustration I've ever seen. Uh, when that gazelle is running from the cheetah, that's the illustration this verse is using. De- deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth, uh, crooked that is. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart, he devises mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, and suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These things, these six things, doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Most Christians think the only abomination in the Bible is homosexuality. It's amazing how a lot of Christians can stand up on a podium and, and, and crucify and, and, and ridicule. Now, I'm not saying that that's not a sin and that's not a wicked sin and it's not an ugly sin. It is all of those things. And it is an abomination, the Bible says. But so is pride. So is pride. So is, the Bible says, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift, and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, help me now, watch this, and he that soweth discord among brethren, he that soweth discord among brethren let's let's pray, Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings tonight. thank you for a, a great crowd of people that's come out to hear your word, to learn, Lord, to grow, Lord, we're here to grow, we're here to to mature in our faith, we're here to Uh, be better Christians today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we were today. And God, strengthen our faith as we grow and learn more about you. Help us to, uh, Lord, not just, help us not to be so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. Help us to realize that even though heaven is our home, we still got to live on this earth and live it in a right way. And God, I pray that you'll help us, give us what we stand in need of. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I titled titled this this lesson, uh, Wake Up America. Wake up America, because everything that's in this chapter, and I I really didn't put the last one on here. I really uh, should have put lust on the bottom of it, but I knew we wouldn't have time to get to it. Uh, so we're going to tie in the last part of chapter 6 in with chapter 7 because they both deal with sexual temptation. Now, if you missed last uh, Bible study, is Let's Talk About Sex. Next week's going to Let's Talk About Sex some more. Say amen. Uh, uh, adultery and, 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 and our, our, our whole culture is so sex-saturated, it's ridiculous. It's amazing that you you are seeing you are seeing commercials that fifteen or twenty years ago you wouldn't even see on on cable. Now you're seeing it on a kids network, and 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 our our, our culture's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. So we're going to deal with that topic next Bible study. Uh, so you don't want to miss that, Amen. Uh, that's going to be really good and interesting. But tonight. Uh, we're going to look at some things that he is dealing with. Now, remember, this is this is the teacher. This is Solomon, uh, the wise man, communicating to uh, his son uh, some th- information that he needs to know to live life in a great way. And, and a lot of these things he deal with, a lot of these subjects that we're looking at in chapter number 6, America is ruined because of these things. Ruined. Uh, and we'll, we'll take them a- in order. First, I want you to see this. First thing I want you to see, uh, uh, he is warning him, he is, he is teaching and warning him about number one. Here's what the first thing I want to talk about unwise financial decisions. Write that down. He is warning him and instructing him and teaching him about unwise financial decisions. How many of y'all would agree it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that our country has made unwise financial decisions? I was, I was riding in the car with somebody. I can't remember whether it was today or yesterday, but it was, it was either, it was either today or yesterday. And we were talking about all the things that is going on in the government and how our country and the people in our country are sitting back and watching it. And we're not freaking out. We have been, we have, we have gotten so, I I don't even know what the word is, so numb to all the things that's going on. We are sitting back and watching our country. Treat its citizens and like it's an SS secret service unit, and we're doing nothing. We're doing nothing. We we have gotten to the place where we we are just sheep going right to the slaughter. But why does that happen? I, I read a quote about uh, what happens when a society learns that they can vote themselves free money and how the danger of that, and how that's going to take place, and, and how, uh, and I saw another one that says some people work for a living and some people vote for a living. Now what, what's happening? Our, our, our country is increasingly, increasingly becoming financially dependent on the government. And, and what is happening is what he's warning about right here. Now, let's let's look at this. And I told you it's going to be touchy. There's going to be some mad people tonight, but it's the book. I'm just reading the Bible. Amen. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now. Do this now, he says, my son. Deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, here's what he's dealing with. He is talking about uh, uh, basically being a cosigner for somebody else's debt. He's talking about making unwise financial decisions by being a co-signer for somebody else's debt. And, and, and now, here's one thing we can't do. Don't read something in the Bible that's not there. Don't read something in the Bible that's not there. A lot of times we'll take a verse and we'll read it so fast and then we'll say, okay, this is what the Bible means and, and it's not what it means. It, this does not mean that you shouldn't uh, be generous. This does not mean that God is outlawing you lending money. That's not what this is talking about. God wants us to be generous. God wants us, but he wants us to be good stewards too. Our master teacher warns us against becoming liable for the financial obligations of others. These verses are not a case against generosity, but against overextending one's financial resources and acting in an irresponsible way that could lead to financial problems. It is important, now watch this now, it is important to maintain a balance between generosity and good stewardship. God wants us to help our friends and the needy, but he does not promise. Now, please get this. I underline this on purpose. He does not promise to cover the cost of every unwise commitment we make. We cannot go around and make foolish decisions when it comes to money and then always fall back on the verse that says, but God will supply all my needs. We can't buy a house we can't afford. We can't buy cars we can't afford. We can't buy a bunch of toys we can't afford, and then fall back and pray and say, "God supply my need." He'll say, "You didn't need that new car. You didn't need that uh, house that just twice as much as what you can afford." You did. Are y'all with me? And then what we do, we get angry and say, because God has not given me enough money to pay all of my bills, then God must not be God, and God must not love me, and God must not can. That's not the point. God is not obligated to our foolish decisions. Amen goes right there, folks. <laughs> now watch. There's two There's two groups of people in here. I would imagine, I would imagine, because... Um, I, I would imagine that, that, that most of our people in here are not necessarily the lenders as much as we are the borrowers. Because this is not a rich church. This is not a, a church full of rich people. So I don't see a whole lot of people in it. And I might be wrong. I don't know. But I, 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 I just don't, I don't see that. So I want to look at this at two different ways. Two different ways. Uh, first, if you are a lender... If you are a lender. And, and a lot of times it comes back to uh, uh, one of the most devastating things to many families is lending money to friends or families. Uh, because y- your heart says to do it. Your heart says to help. And and, and, and they, they're they begging for help. But one of the worst things you could ever do is uh, be a co-signer for a family member or friend. One of the worst things you could ever do. Because that will ruin a friendship and a relationship faster than anything else in the world. Because that friend and family member truly loves you and they never meant to get in a bad financial bind. But their financial bind has put you in a financial bind. Now your family's hurting. Now we got problems. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Proverbs 11, 15 says, he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. In other words, it's not going to be fun. And he that hateth suretyship is Sure. In other words, he that doesn't like being uh, uh, a cosigner or, or putting their self in an in a obligation is sure. Proverbs 22, 26. Be, thou, be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? In other words, you're, you're, you're risking losing everything. You're risking losing things because of putting unwise financial obligations, or signing up for somebody else's obligation. Now, let me repeat this. Let me repeat this. This warning is not against loaning money. Psalms 112, uh, uh, Brother Jeff, would you turn to Psalms uh, 112, uh, verse number 5? Jeff Robertson, to clarify if there's any other Jeffs in here, all right? Uh, Psalms 112, verse 5. Now this is not against co-signing a loan. It is a caution directed against rashly stepping in to help or co-signing a loan for another. We should order our affairs with prudence and discretion and many times that will force us to say no. Say that with me. That will force us to say even now underline this. Underline this in your notes. Even when our emotions would like to say yes. Sometimes a smart thinking will say no, even when your emotions say yes. Brother Jeff, would you read Psalms uh, 112, verse 5 real loud for everybody? A good man favor in lending. He God his okay, do you see what he's saying? God is not outlawing lending. God is not outlawing helping somebody. That's not what he's saying. He is saying he is very careful. He is very wise in how he does that. And sometimes the wisest thing you can do is to say no. But sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Sometimes that's the hardest thing, especially when you're related to it. Especially when you're related to it. Now, here's the thing. Here's a a few ways. Here's a few ways that you can, that makes saying easier or saying no a little easier. Number one, remove the refusal from a personal basis or level. In other words, help them understand this is not personal. Make it clear that while you appreciate the other person and his request, because of the, premises, uh, the premise of under which you are operating, you must refuse. Number two, indicate that you don't enjoy saying no. Nothing would please me more than to go along with you, and I dislike what it will do to you, but I must say no. Number three, Give evidence that you have studied the situation. Comment on the considerations that entered into denying the request. Help him, number four, say no to the idea or desire himself. Show him the factors involved in such a way that he may reach the negative conclusion before you break the news to him. And by the way, number four probably won't never happen. They're probably not going to come to that conclusion. Uh, Number five, suggest some factors which might... Have changed the no to yes. In in other words, say, now if the situation had been thus and so, uh, if your request had not involved the need for such a sum of money, or if your level of income was a little different, uh, but you realize that, you know, you're helping them see uh, alternatives. Help him see the situation from your perspective. If you were in my place, what would you do? Uh, Let your no be said in such a nice way. Speaking of the president of a great institution, one of his uh, employees said, he sometimes refused my request, but he did it so kindly and graciously that I didn't feel upset by his refusal. Now, let me say this. Most of the time, don't turn your page, turn it back. Turn it back, turn it, turn it back. Don't get ahead of me. You got a little blank down there, and I want you to write something in there. Most of the time... You can do all of those things, and they're still going to be mad at you. They're still going to be mad at you. How many of y'all have had teenagers, and you had to show tough love and do something, and they were mad at you? How many of y'all did it anyway because you knew what was best for them? Sometimes, sometimes it's better to have them mad at you than them not pay and won't talk to you, and now you're mad at them. Sometimes it's just best to say no, no. Now, there's two people involved in this deal, the lender and the borrower. Now, I want you to write that down in that little blank. I was going to do this, but, but I didn't want to use up so much space, but I used up so much space anyhow, so just write this in here. Uh, write this in here. Two sides, the lender and the borrower. The lender must use wisdom. I put, I put in, in my notes right below here, I put lender, and I put beside it wisdom. Show wisdom. Show wisdom. Now, let me say this. Dave Ramsey, I heard Dave Ramsey say this. He says, <clears throat> and he's giving counsel to somebody who wants to lend money to a certain person uh, because he wants to help them out. And this is what he said, and I'll never forget it. He says, if you cannot lend it with the heart of giving it don't lend it in other words what he was saying if you cannot if this if this person cannot or runs into a situation where they cannot repay and you can't just say hey i'm just giving it and it's a it's a given deal i'm i'm cool with it he says if you cannot do it with a giving spirit then don't lend it whatsoever because a lot of the times that's going to happen and when that happens, you're upset, they're upset, you're mad, they're mad, and everything's mad, and, and, and you may have a lifelong grudge. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So if you're a lender, if you're a lender in here, and you're going to lend, make sure it's a very wise, wise decision. Make sure it's a thought out decision. Make sure it's a carefully calculated decision. And if, it's, if there's any risk whatsoever that you might not get it back, you lend giving uh, with the spirit of giving. In other words, if it's a son or a daughter or a relative, you're going to, listen, I'm I'm going to lend this, but if they don't pay me back, in my mind, I've given it so it's no big deal. Does that make sense with everybody? Now, most of us are the borrowers. So I have here, the lender, number one, he he has to show wisdom. Number two, we have the borrower, and that's most of us in here. If you are the borrower, put beside that dash patience patience how many of y'all would admit it i'm gonna raise my hand i'm gonna go ahead and raise my hand so i mean you don't have to it doesn't matter how many of y'all have had somebody say you know i don't think we can give you this loan right now okay how did you feel pretty lousy wasn't it probably got angry probably got mad and and probably frustrated and and probably before they said no you already knew they was gonna say no and then we get we try to get creative. A lot of times if we are told no for a loan, there's a very good reason. And it quite possibly could be God trying to slow you up and say, "Look, you really don't need this right now." Are y'all with me? And a lot of times, if we are the borrower in the situation, we need to exercise some patience. Yes, we wanted it then. Yes, we needed it or whatever. But I promise you this. I promise you this. I promise you this. The Bible does not lie. The Bible does not lie. What am I saying? I'm saying this. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And if you have a need, you don't have to worry about the bank fixing it for you. Because he will supply your need. And I found out this when I've been told no about something and I thought I really needed it, I didn't really need it. Because I went to bed that night and got up the next morning. Y'all with me? Boy, it's awful quiet tonight. I hope nobody went to the bank this week because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. But this is so touchy. This, is so, this is, Isn't the Bible so practical? I mean, this is where we live every day. Every day. And if, and if you've been told no, listen, be patient. Don't try to get creative. Don't try to do things that's going to put yourself in a bigger bind. You know, this person says no, so we'll go over this person that, that charges three times the amount of interest, and you never get it paid off, and you're a slave the rest of your life. Amen? All right. Write two more things. I hope you got some more room. <clears throat> two words i want you to write number one caution caution that's verses one through three he says show caution show caution be careful be very 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 careful when it comes to lending money or or operating in a financial manner and then number two i wrote this down i wrote this word down because it really write the word crisis crisis what crisis Look how, he describes, look how he describes getting out of the financial bind. Look what he says about getting out of the lending and the suretyship for, for a friend. Watch what he says. Do this. Verse 3. Verse 3. Help me. Do this now. Do this now. Don't do this tomorrow. Don't when you get around to it. He said, do this now, my son deliver thyself. Get out of that situation. Get out of that situation. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Watch what he says. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Now here's how he describes it. Here He said, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. He describes a gazelle. He describes a A hunter, a cheetah, if you will. Uh, Those are great illustrations. Uh, Deliver thyself as a roe, a deer, or a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the flower. And and if you will notice that gazelle or that deer, it is running wide open. It is a cheetah. Are you all with me? I mean, he's out there grazing. He's out there having himself a time. He ain't listen, he's minding his own business, then all of a sudden a cheat is coming and there is a cheetah detector in somewhere in that cheetah in that in that gazelle and his ears poke up. He turns around and he sees him or smells him and he screams Cheetah <laughs> And he runs like the Dickens to get away from the hunter. Solomon is saying, that's how you need to get out of debt. That's how you need to run from this situation. That's that's the. In other words, the cheetah says this is a crisis. How many of y'all know if you're fixing to get eaten? That's a crisis. Amen. Let me say this: How many of you have been in such debt before, and it felt so crushing, you felt like you was getting eaten? Amen. This is a crisis situation. America is running on debt, and you cannot borrow your way out of debt. Church, say amen. amen. So two words. Give me my two words. Number one, caution. caution. Say it with me. Number one, caution. caution. Number two, crisis. crisis. Caution is verses one through three. Crisis is verses four through five. Treat it like a crisis situation. A crisis situation. All right, number two. This is really, you're going to love this one because if you, it was so quiet on the first one. Number two, write this word down, laziness. Laziness, everybody wants a handout today, everybody wants something free, we're getting our free phones, and it's it's kind of amazing, everybody's getting something free except for the people who really need it, yep, I said it, laziness, go to the ant thou sluggard, you know, I kind of wonder, did he see his son like taking too many naps or what, uh, you know, because he's directing this, he's directing this toward the ones he's teaching. And he says, first, after he tells him about un, un, unwise financial decisions, he, he talks about being lazy, being like, la- now, now I, I give you a challenge. I give you a challenge. If you want to do homework, find somebody in the Bible that God used that was lazy Find them. Find somebody in the Bible that God used that was lazy. If you will go and look at everybody that God called and used, they were already doing something. They were already doing something. David was watching sheep. Uh, uh, Saul was after his father's uh, donkeys. Uh, 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 Elisha was plowing with mules. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they were fishers. Uh, They were going after it. Are you all with me? The reason, you never ask somebody that's not doing something to do something because there's a reason they're not doing something. I found this out. If you ever want to get something done, ask somebody that's too busy to do it. Amen, preacher. That's good stuff tonight. Y'all shouted more over the sex message in this one. Y'all need to help me. Listen, two things. Two things. <laughs> Two things, right right above, right above up here, right above up here, because we're going to look at a lazy person here in a minute. He says, go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways, consider her ways and be wise. All right, let's look at it. Let's look at it. What do we see? What do we see? I wrote two things down. I wrote two things down here, and then we're going to talk about the sluggard because he begins to describe the lazy person from verses 9 through 11. He, just, he, he says, look at her ways. We see two things in verses 7 and 8. So we, I want you to write these two things down. First, self-discipline. Self-discipline. Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways. What do we see? What do we see? Verse 7, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. What does that mean? She was self-disciplined. She didn't have to have somebody over her all the time harping, get up, do this, get up, do that, get up, do this, get up, do that. She showed and exhibited self-discipline. Self-discipline. I'm not real fond of that, but I promise you this, you'll never see somebody that's successful without self-discipline. We have taught our kids self-esteem, but we have forgotten to teach them self-discipline. And now we have a lot of young people out of control that don't want to hear no because we've not taught them self-discipline. Self-discipline. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, character is what you are when nobody's around? Self-discipline. Without any overseer, without any guide, without any person over them, they do what needs to be done. They show initiative. They show initiative. They don't have to always be asked to do something. They don't have to always be prodded and poked. And, and 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 most lazy people only do only do what they have to do to get by. Are y'all with me? And and this is this is this is not a good thing. So he says, go to the ant and check her out. Watch her having no guide, overseer, ruler. She shows real self-discipline. Then be or or, or two, however you want to put it. Uh, verse eight. She provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. So not only does she have self-discipline, she has forethought. She has forethought. What is she doing? She's thinking of the future. There are so many people today living for today. Living for today. Not thinking about tomorrow. Not thinking about the future, not thinking uh, you're not always going to have your health. You're not always going to have your youth. You're not always going to have your energy. It's not always going to be like this. There may come a day that you get sick. There may come a day that your job shuts down. There may come a day. Are y'all with me? But what do we do? We make it today, we spend it today. We never think about the future. We never think about what could be. We never think about what's out there. But the Bible says she is preparing. She is is showing forethought that she is preparing and getting ready for the winter. Winter is coming. The snow is coming. There's going to be a time when you can't gather, so I'm going to gather when you can't gather, so that when you can't gather, you'll have something. Are you all with me? And... I have. Uh, there was an individual that uh, that we helped out during during the Christmas season, and uh, and uh, I said, "Look, if you'll go to so and so, this this is what can happen," and and blah blah blah. blah. And, well, this person came back to me, pitching a fit. I mean just, well, this is all they gave me. They gave me this. They gave me this bicycle and this bicycle. And, and that's all. And I, I, I'm, I'm like this. Now, I'm, y'all know I'm eat up with redneck. So it, it's really a, a not a really good thing to be that ignorant right in front of me. Are y'all with me? And, and here's, here's some of the information I wanted to convey. They didn't have to give you anything. Where has our society gone to where we walk around and think people that have are obligated to people that have not? Listen, I'm not. I'm not. I, trust me. I, I've I've had so many people help me in my life. I'm not. I'm not saying. I, I trust. I, I'm not. I'm not what you think. I'm saying. I'm telling you, I'm not. I don't mind helping anybody. I promise you, I've given more stuff away in my life and and just because that's just my nature. But nobody is obligated to give you anything. Anything. This ant does not sit around waiting for somebody else to give them a handout. Now, physically, sick people, let's do everything we can situations where they can't let me tell you what how, how serious God was about this he instructed Paul to put in the word of God if you don't work you don't eat that's how serious he was about that because God a good citizen a good christian is a good citizen and a good citizen is a contributor a contributor. What does that mean? What does that mean? That God designed society in such a way, God designed society in such a way that everybody has to do something to get something. Y'all with me? Everybody has to contribute. I have to be a blessing to you so you be a blessing to me. I have to I have to provide something for you, you provide something for me. It's like uh, the the day and, and and a lot of the older uh, crowd still uses the word trading. I had one of them say I had one of them say, you know, uh uh about going to a certain store. You know, we say I'm going to buy something at Walmart. And the in and, and the older generation said, Well this is where I do my trading. Y'all with me? I thought that was cool, man. That's like Daniel Boone and everything, you know? Beaver pelt for Coke. Can I have you know a uh, So, what happened? You contributed to them, they contributed to you. Society's happy. You're happy, they're happy. But what's happened? We're sitting back now, won't everybody contribute? And why do you think our society is crumbling? Because sooner or later, the giver is going to run out of what to give. Right? Now, watch. Be prepared. Show forethought. Show, show, show. Be self disciplined. Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. All right. Now, then he begins to describe a lazy person. Verse number nine. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little fl- slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Six habits that identify a sluggard. First, number one, they sleep too much. Proverbs 26, 4. And by the way, by the way, please don't get crazy on me and go out of here saying I'm saying all kind of stuff. If you have a physical issue and there is a problem and, and, and like narcolepsy and stuff like that, hey, go to the doctor, do what you got to do. I understand that. That's not what the word is talking about. This is talking about people who don't have issues, but they're lazy. I wonder how long it's going to be before we're allowed, not allowed to use that word no more. Before that gets on the politically incorrect list, all right? Uh, they sleep too much. Proverbs twenty six fourteen: As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Number two, they love to make excuses. This is a good one. Proverbs twenty two thirteen: The slothful man said, there's a lion out there. I can't go out in the street. I can't go plow the harvest. I can't go. There's a lion. I shall be slain in the streets. It has been said that if you don't want to do something, that any excuse will do. Say amen right there. Uh, no one can find more excuses to not do something than the person who is too lazy to do anything. Number three, they have a know-it-all, unteachable attitude. This is the worst part. This is the worst part. Proverbs twenty-six sixteen: The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. They will tell you why they can't do something and find every reason in the world why they are right in their assumption. You can't argue with a lazy person and the only thing that, they will, make, that will make them move is a lightest stick of dynamite. Say amen. <laughs> I know a lot of people who will starve to death before they would admit that they are lazy but they won't work for anything less than top salary. A wise man told me one time when I was first starting out because I was aggravated about a certain pay rate. And uh, and uh, and I, I shouldn't have been because I I, I wasn't learned enough and I, I wasn't old enough and I hadn't paid my dues and I, I deserved what I was getting because the job that I was doing that was the pay scale that went with it and uh, and and but you know I mean when you're young you you want everything you can get and whatever but uh, uh, he said look son sometimes you have to do what you have to do till you can do what you want to do. Well, I'm not working and so-and-so. They only... No, no, that's not the right attitude. I worked for the Antichrist about two years. Actually, it was his brother. Amen, it was. It was his brother. I I would actually come home and be so mad I'd have tears in my eyes and want to choke somebody. But you know what? I got up and I went back to work because my wife got hungry and my kids wanted to eat pretty regular. Well, I just ain't going to put up with that. Now, that's not the right attitude. I didn't like all the things I ever did. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, uh, if we talk to some of the World War II generation, they're ready to whoop all of us. whining and complaining about this and that, this and that. Uh, The greatest generation, they're not real happy with us right now. Not only are they unteachable, but they are procrastinators. They always put things off until the last minute and are always late for everything. If they show up at all, they never finish anything they start, but find every excuse for not continuing with any project. They tire very easily and just give up rather than attempt to improve. They blame everyone and everything else for their own failure to accomplish anything rather than to admit that they are lazy. They are terrible planners. In fact, they don't. Let me back up. Let me back up a minute. I want you all to underline that. They blame everyone and everything else for their own failure to accomplish anything rather than to admit that they are lazy. Underline that for me if you don't mind in your notes. Is that not a big-time picture of our society today? It's everybody else's fault that I'm broke. They are terrible planners. In fact, they don't plan for anything. They just live from second to second reacting to whatever comes instead of attempting to change things before they happen. Have you ever noticed that person is just happy as can be if they've got a dollar in their pocket today and don't have any drive whatsoever, just whatever I can get by today? Number five, this is the big time. They are irritating to everyone around them. Say amen. Amen especially those who are busy. Busy people with a vision and a dream to chase don't have much patience or compassion for those who are not. Proverbs ten twenty six says this, As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to them that send him. Don't expect a slugger to get the job done. If you do, you will make, uh, you will always be disappointed. Their inactivity and bad attitude will put a bitter taste in your mouth and make your eyes water with aggravation, and you will most likely have to do the job yourself anyway. Anyway, you remember what I said, if somebody's not doing something, don't get them to do it because there's a reason they're not doing something. Amen. 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 Number three, ain't we having fun tonight? I'm glad all the Proverbs ain't like this. Amen. (laughs) What is destroying? What is he warning? He's warning us of bad financial decisions. Number two, he's warning us laziness, laziness. And then number three, bad associates bad associates, and he begins to describe uh, the wicked person, the wicked person. He calls him a naughty person, Uh, which really, when you study it back, the reference means worthless, worthless. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. In other words, you can't never believe nothing they say. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore, shall his calamity come suddenly, and suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Uh, watch. Go back up to verse eleven. Go back up to verse eleven. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth. In other words, as when a, when, when, a, when a lady gives birth, it just comes all at one time, and here we go, we're in this situation. And thy want as an armed man. He gives two different descriptions here. One of being lazy, you're, it's going to come on you before you know it. You're going to turn your head, and here you're going to have nothing. Then the, the wicked person, uh, the calamity, the judgment that comes upon this person, the destruction that comes upon this person. When you're living a life of sin and wickedness in that way, before you know it, you turn your head and, and man, you're in the biggest trouble of your life. But then he, get, he, he begins to describe in detail. These six things doth the Lord... How serious you think he's about this? These six things doth the Lord Hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. First, let's deal with the first one. Verse 17. A proud look. A proud look. Uh, These are the characteristics we find in these people. First on the list, number one on the list is pride. Because pride is usually the basic motivation for all other sins. You realize that's what got the devil kicked out? It was pride that turned Lucifer into Satan and that led Eve to disobey God and eat the forbidden fruit. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth, I hate, Proverbs eight thirteen. Why? Why do you think pride is such a devastating thing and God hates it so much? Because pride says it's all about you. Pride says you you are something, and and pride begins to build up self. And when we begin to build up self, then we we say we don't need God. Uh, And and the greatest thing, what does the Bible say? Humble thyself under the mighty uh, mighty hand of God, and he will exalt thee in due season. The greatest thing we could ever do is humble ourselves to God and say, God, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. But pride says, I don't need you. I don't need you. What did, what did Solomon do when he got messed up with all them women and, and, and he started straying away from God and, and got in a backslidden state? All of the book of Ecclesiastes is, is basically Solomon's backslidden state. And he is saying this. You'll, you'll hear the term over and over and over in Ecclesiastes, under the sun. That means without God. Without God, I'm going to find joy without God. I'm going to find peace without God. I'm going to find satisfaction without God. And he tried. He did everything there was to do. He bought everything there was to buy. He saw everything there was to solve. He said, I'm going on an experiment. I'm not going to hold back with nothing. And y'all know the outcome. Y'all know the outcome. When it was all said and done, he said, it's all, say it with me. It's all vanity. What's the word vanity mean? Empty. 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 All the things I went after. And, 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 and this, is what, this, is what, this is how we need to say it. I tried to find all of this that I was looking for without God. How prideful is that? And God says, you need me. Pride is such a devastating, devastating thing. God also hates a... Say it with me. God also hates a... For God is a God of truth. And his law says, thou shalt not bear false witness. God sees a lie not as an act of speech, but as a deadly force that goes to work in society and divides and destroys. If you're going to be a liar, you better have a good memory. And the best thing to do is just tell the truth, then you don't have to worry about it. Y'all with me? The third sin that God hates is... The third sin that God hates is hands that shed innocent blood. His commandment is thou shalt not kill or murder, which means murder in Exodus twenty thirteen. Now God permits the government to exercise capital punishment and strengthen justice in the land. But the shedding of innocent blood pollutes the land and murderers have their part in the lake of fire. Not only that, but God hates a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Wicked imagination is hateful to God because it misuses the great gift of imagination that he has given us. The imagination is the womb out of which either evil or good is born. People who can plan evil things that hurt others can also plan good things that will help others. The imagination needs to be cleansed and kept pure before God so he can use it in his service. Have you ever known a person that, that had just... In other words, they worked so hard to get out of work, if they would have just put the imagination and in, in the, in the wisdom into what they were doing to goof off, they could have been a millionaire. That's what he's talking about. I have seen some thieves work so hard. I mean work hard to steal something. If they would have put that kind of ingenuity and that kind of effort in it, they wouldn't have had to steal anything. Wicked imaginations, coming up with things. Not only that, but sinners have feet that are swift to running to mischief because they want to fulfill their schemes quickly and enjoy their pleasures immediately. God's people should have cleansed, should have cleansed feet, beautiful feet, prepared feet, obedient feet. If we do, we'll bring blessing. But the wicked use their feet to get involved in sin, meddling as busybodies, tempting others into sin, and breaking God's laws. If the saints were on their feet and as eager to obey the Lord as sinners are to disobey, this lost world would soon be evangelized. Amen? God has called his people to be witnesses to the truth. But the wicked person is a false witness who speaks lies. Bearing false witness is a violation of the ninth commandment. Without truth, things start to fall apart. When people lie officially, the foundations of society begin to crumble. The British poet John Dryden wrote, Truth is the foundation of all knowledge and the cement of all societies my dad told me one time when I was a kid he said if a man will lie to you he'll steal from you and it's hard to have a relationship when you can't trust somebody it, it, it works in marriages it works in businesses it works any any way you want to put it it's hard to have a relationship when you cannot trust the other person God has called his people to be witnesses of the truth amen amen The last of the seven sins that God hates, and let's all pay close attention right here. The last of the seven sins that God hates is sowing discord among brethren. Behold how good and how pleasant it is, the Bible says in Psalms 133. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The wicked person destroys the unity by sowing seeds that produce a bitter and divisive harvest. Some of these seeds are pride. Gossip, say that with me. Gossip, say it with me. Gossip. Gossip. Sometimes we need to learn to keep our mouths shut. Listen, if you don't know what you're talking about, don't say nothing at all. And if you do know what you're talking about, don't say nothing at all. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. The wounds of a talebearer. the Bible says. What does that mean? Uh... Do you know the difference between criticism and constructive criticism? All right, I'm I am i have got brother Buchanan here. And uh and 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 I'll show you the difference between constructive criticism and criticism. Uh <clears throat> This is criticism. Did you hear that lesson Buchanan talked the other day? Have you ever in your life did he get that in the shower? I mean, what was he thinking? <laughs> I mean, really? Did I, what book was that? Because it wasn't in my. That's criticism. Here's constructive criticism, Brother Buchanan. I think if you'll work on uh, more of your structure and your outline, and find a few more illustrations, I think it'll make it a whole lot better, and it'll keep people's you know attention because you know they tired when they get here on Wednesday night. So if you'll put a few more illustrations that way to make it interesting, I think it'd work. Y'all see the difference? What's the major difference? Criticism is when I tell you about him. Constructive criticism is when I tell him about him. And see, if you don't care about him, you'll tell everybody else. But if you'll care about him, you'll tell him. I asked Dr. Brown one time about uh, another pastor that was really having some issues and I, and there were some things that, that he could really do to to make things better for himself and but I didn't want him because I didn't want him to think I was criticizing him. And and I said, Preacher Brown, what do you think? he said, do you think it'll help him? I said, man, ain't no doubt it'll help him. He says, Do you care about him? I said, Yeah I care about him. He said, well then if you care about him, help him. And if somebody knows you care about him, they don't mind you helping them. Most of the time. Most of the time. But be careful. Be careful when you talk. And, and by the way, it's, it's real easy to get caught up in that. The best people in the world sometimes gets caught up in gossip. And this is why. Everybody wants to feel important. Everybody wants to feel important. You say, "What's that got to do with gossip?" Because sometimes you just want to give your opinion because you want people to think you're smart. Let me say, let me change that. Let me change. Sometimes we want to give our opinion because we want people to think we're smart. Amen. I, I'm putting me here. This is how it gets. You get caught up in that so so easily. But here's how to stop it. I, I've, I've had people I've had people say, well, preacher, I don't know why people come to me all the time. They're just always coming to me, and they're saying it. I say, well, the next time somebody comes to you, say, let's go to that person and talk to them. If it's about the preacher, say, hey, man, you know what? You might have a point there. Let's me and you have an appointment with a preacher, and we'll tell him about it. I guarantee you they'll lose your number. Are you all with me? And if they're not willing to go to the person they're running their mouth about, uh, then they're not not trying to help nobody. And by the way, if they'll run their mouth about somebody else to you, guess what they're going to do to somebody else about you? I got four minutes. We better hush right there. Amen? What are we going to get out of tonight? Be careful when it comes to financial decisions. Finances is is now the number one cause of divorce in America. Finances. Be careful. All right. To the lender, show great wisdom. Show great wisdom. Be very, very careful. Here's a good, here's a good hint. When in doubt, all right, help me. When in doubt, don't. don't. All right. To the borrower, if whatever takes place, be patient. Say it with me. Whatever takes place be patient all right use wise financial decisions number two let's don't be lazy let's don't be lazy uh tim tebow said this and y'all y'all hate him i I get that being from alabama but uh here's what he said he said hard work beats talent that don't work every day hard work beats talent that don't work every day Listen, you may not have all the talent that somebody else has. You may not have all the wisdom somebody else has. You may not have all the ability somebody else has. But if you work hard, I promise you, God will bless your hard work. Let's work hard. Let's, let's, let's don't be lazy. And whatever you do, don't be lazy around somebody that's working hard because you'll irritate them. You'll irritate them. You're, you're vinegar to their teeth. You're vinegar to their teeth. Uh, best thing to do, uh, uh, bring a tool belt, not a set of pom-poms. Say Amen we got enough cheerleaders. Hey, we need somebody with a, with a brick. We need somebody with a hammer. We need somebody to get in there. Let's get the job done. Amen. 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 All right. Hey, we have fun tonight. Amen. Hey, y'all could have sat out in the rain. Hey, amen. it? <laughs> amen. All right. Well, let's, let's be dismissed. And, uh, and, and please next week, uh, uh, will be very, very interesting. Amen. And, uh, and, now I'm, I'm just going to leave that right there. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this on a serious note. Uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, uh, let me say this, and then we're going to pray. Brother, Brother Dole and Miss Barry uh, went down to be and minister with a friend, or not a friend, but a, an unchurched family. Uh, uh, they're not affiliated with our church, uh, but they lost a little baby in a drowning accident, and uh, uh, Brother Dole and Miss Barry is down there ministering to them, and uh, and I know they need our prayers. And this family family desperately needs our prayers. So uh, we're going to reach out to them and pray.